if I told you what that what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Curling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Harlan, but today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. Both, both of hearts, like, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking place. Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast, and what a weekend of hurling we've just had. We're joined by ex-Waterford hurler and Ballygunner star Wayne Hutchinson to chat about the two semi-finals and look forward to the All-Ireland Final. You must be buzzing after the weekend. Ah, yeah, it's a great win, wasn't it? Great win, like, in the, I suppose it was the manner. It was the manner more than anything the way they won it, like, you know, they showed a lot of um, grit and determination and courage to come back from being behind uh, by so much and um, I see they learned a lot about themselves in that game, you know, um, so thankfully, thankfully they were, they were able to get over the line. Ken McGrath was saying that he reckoned it was the best second half performance from a Waterford team ever. Would you yeah. agree? Um, I probably do agree to be honest with you now. I tried to, I'm trying to think back, I'm trying to think back on, on other performances Um whereby Waterford are after being in games like that. But I suppose it was like I was saying earlier, it was more the, it was more probably the comeback. Um more than anything like, you know. If I think back to some some of the great games, two thousand four Munster final, that's definitely one that sticks out in my mind. As in a, a full team performance um, and the way they beat Cork that day. But um no Ken, I don't think Ken would be uh, too far off the mark there. No, I I I, I, I would probably tend to uh, agree with him. What do you think was like? Because it was such a drastic difference, even in the two halves. Even though Warford, you couldn't say they were hurling bad in the first half. Was it just nerves that they were snatched at chances, or or what do you think? Yeah, it's 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 it, I, I don't know. Like it was kind of. I was looking at the game here at home, obviously, and I couldn't I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, because Kilkenny weren't exactly like hurling up a storm or anything. Uh, I don't know. Like we we looked very. Um, I don't know. We looked very anxious or jittery. I'm not too sure what it was really. Because obviously a lot of the boys have a fantastic experience of playing in Crow Park. Bar probably one or two of the lads. Um, it was really hard to put. I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, but thankfully, then they were able to get themselves together. Um, in the second half, I'd say they had a right shot one one another, and say like I say, I say it was fairly much led from the players themselves because they they obviously knew that it wasn't good enough or it wasn't going to be good enough, um, to continue the game in that manner, um, you know. There's one thing that they said, and they said uh, Don Logue actually said it after the game. He said the main one of the main differences is that, is that they kind of more man marked TJ Reid, and I was thinking. TJ Reid was absolutely incredible in that second half. Yeah, no, he he was he was awesome. We can't even remember what did he what did he score in the second half? He scored one fourteen altogether. Now one yeah. one from play, but that's right. not counting the amount of puckouts he caught and the yeah. The I wish you look. To be fair, TJ TJ is a phenomenal player player like, and he has been for Kilkenny down through the years, you know, and he probably. When 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 things really really got tough there in the second half, I, I suppose the, the the Kilkenny the Kilkenny forwards didn't really did it. I wouldn't say the other Kilkenny forwards stood up and they probably depended on too much on on um, TJ. And I'd say Liam and Mikey Beavens actually seen that at halftime. They probably said, "Look, if we if we if we hold TJ here now, we we have a very very good chance because none of the other forwards were uh, particularly playing very very well at the time." So look, it's like anything really. Like if you stop TJ Reid um, dominating um, in a game, you, you're going to, you're going to do very well in in, in beating Kilkenny. And um, he's obviously after being their standout player in the last in the last couple of years. Like you know, so um, again, another phenomenal performance by him at the weekend. Really, really was like he's just a gifted gifted hurler, and it seems to be like that he's getting he's actually getting better with age. Um, what what is he now? He's probably thirty two. Is he thirty three? I think just just yeah. gone. Yeah. So like it's he's in phenomenal shape. He's he lives and breathes the game, obviously, and 
Um, and like to be fair to him as well, like he's after been going a lot down through the years because it's not as if with Bally Hale he's getting breaks at the at the end of the club season. Like Bally Hale are always going into the into the depths of winter, and it's phenomenal how he can keep so fresh and keep playing, keep playing at that level. He's a credit to himself, really, um, the way that he's able to perform at such a high level year after year. Um, you know, so yeah, really, really impressed by him. Have you ever had the honor of honor of marking him? Yeah, I came up against TJ there. Um, you see, sometimes when you're up against uh, TJ, either with Kilkenny or Ballyhale, I remember coming up against him against Ballyhale there in the 2018 All Ireland final. And the thing, the thing about it is, he could be you could be sent on to, to do a job on him, but he's such like he can wander all over the pitch, like you know, and the different different players marking him at, at different times, but. What I find, what I always found um, really impressive about TJ when any time I was marking him was his movement off the ball and his ability, his ability to actually ghost in behind you and pick up positions on the pitch that are eventually going to going to hurt the scoreboard or going to hurt your hurt hurt you as a or hurt your group as a team. Um, so I always found out with him his ability to just move and create space for other players and then pick up really really dangerous dangerous positions on the pitch kind of like he did for the goal I suppose the ball came in and he, he he never even broke stride he just knew that it was going to break him behind yeah exactly and the ball broke really quick I'd say i say to be honest Tyg is probably a bit disappointed in that because Tyg was kind of he probably got caught ball watching a small bit and um, you can see but Tyg if you look back at the replay you can actually see Tyg and he's completely on the ball he come, his eyes are completely on the ball and next minute TJ drives in. It was as if like TJ just knew that this ball was going to break and without even breaking stride, he was onto it. And there was only going to be one, it was only going to be one result after that because even as good as Stephen O'Keefe is as a goalkeeper, um, that was that no keeper in the country would have stopped that ball. Like, you know, it was just a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal goal. Um, and his ability to break onto the ball at pace and pick his spot and bury it, you know. Yeah, it's not something that happens to Tyg too often either. So it's kind of just another one of the, the jittery mistakes that happened in, in the first half, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, like I suppose Waterford in general, like they, they conceded three against Clare, they conceded two against Kilkenny. Um, you know, in fairness to TJ's one, in fairness to TJ's um, goal, goal, that was like, that was a lot quicker and it happened a lot faster whereas I think Waterford would have been disappointed particularly with the, the first goal to give away um, Sock obviously pulled off a, a great save but maybe we as a full back line maybe should have been a bit quicker quicker onto the ball but look these things happen so fast and they happen within 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 seconds like you know what I mean the ball is in the back of the net before you even know it so um, yeah so maybe we could have reacted better to the break off Stephen on the goal but look, we won the game, thankfully, in the end. So that was the main thing. A lot of people, and I'd be the same, actually. I would have thought that Steve O'Keefe was a bit, was slow off his line. Because usually he's he's probably the best keeper in Ireland for, for coming off his line at the right time. But he didn't for that goal. And I think that was, I think that was a mistake. I'm not too sure if it was, I'm not too sure if it was a mistake or not. Maybe he was kind of caught, maybe he was caught in two minds whereby, like, when the ball broke in behind, I think he would have had a lot of ground to make up, to actually close close Richie out, uh, close down Richie Hogan fully. And I think that he actually, I actually think that he has so much confidence in himself. He said, look, if I stay on my line, there's a good opportunity here that I will stop this ball. Because he obviously seen Ian Kenny and Connor coming in behind and Tyg coming in behind Richie. And like, in, at the end of the day, he did stop the ball. You know, it was just the break. It was the break. It was the break off Stephen that really caught him. But um, I wouldn't blame him so much for not coming off the line. It's more probably that he trusted his own ability more than anything to be able to stop the shot coming through. Um, but maybe he needed to depend on his full back line that bit more. I kind of find the, the criticism of him not coming off the line strange because he did save it. And maybe it was because it still ended up in a goal because it went out as a rebound. But... 
I don't know. Everyone's complaining that he didn't come off his line, but he, and he still stopped it. I, I didn't get that. Uh, yeah, exactly, Gary, and that's exactly my point. The reason why he probably didn't come off the line was because he was, like I was saying, he was probably caught in two minds, and he he probably knew. Look, if if Richie picks this ball, there's a good chance I'll save this. So, like that's that's a compliment on to Stephen because he is he trusts his own ability, you know, and he probably knows as well that he might not be the quickest off the line. So. What would have happened if he came out? He would have been maybe Richie would have gotten the goal. We'll never know. But again, it just comes back to uh, trusting his own ability. And again, I think it is unfair criticism. To be fair, I, you know, I, I don't see any, I don't see any rationale really in the criticism for me because at the end of the day, like you said, he did save the shot, um, and ultimately, yeah. when he saved the shot, it was really up to the the full backline to react to the break. Sorry, lads. You're all right then. <laughs> But yeah, well, like Richie as well, as you said, he could have got the goal anyway if Stephen did come out off the line because we know how quick Richie's instincts are, and it might have just been a a, a, a flick tap exactly. to the ground or a, just been yeah, any kind of a tap over in his head if he came out really quick. Or no, I, I support Stephen one hundred percent for staying on the line there, um, and trusting his own ability to be able to stop the ball. So I'd have no criticism whatsoever, to be honest with you. There's one yeah. thing that's said a lot about the Waterford team at the minute. He said how how fit they are. Now, obviously, we know every team is fit. And every, so every team is doing savage training. Like, do you know, like, have they been doing something different than other teams or what's going on that has, like, their their intensity is unreal. And you can't, you can have all the heart you want. But if, if you haven't got the fitness, you know, you just can't do it. Like, do you know, are they doing something different there? Who, who's, who's, who's the strength and conditioning coach? I don't, I, I don't actually, I, I genuinely, you know, I actually don't know. Um, obviously, Liam, Liam would have bringing him in. Um, I think he's from, I think he's from Tipperary. Um, that's what I'm aware of. Um, I don't know, like, I don't buy this whole thing either, to be honest with you, of when a conditioning coach comes in and he all of a sudden has a team um, really, really jumping out of their skins. Of course, it helps. And, of course, they're obviously doing something different that they've done in other years. But I suppose speaking as a person who is kind of from a physical education background and a sports background and conditioning background myself, I think like that that level of fitness hasn't happened overnight. You know, um, if you look at look at some of the players at the moment, Jamie Barron, uh, Tyg de Burka, uh, Shane Fives, um, Jake Dillon, all these guys, you know, like they're involved in the, in the panel a good few years now. And there's a certain base of fitness that they will have anyway. And I think sometimes when a fresh, when a fresh voice comes in, a, a new guy with new ideas, they probably just push, push the boat out that more, but that bit, uh, that bit much more. But I don't necessarily buy the, buy the concept of, oh God, there's a new fitness conditioning coach in this year. That all of a sudden, they're they're fit because of that. They're fit because they're training at a certain level for a certain amount of certain amount of years. Yes, of course, um, a new conditioning co- coach might come in with new ideas, and he might train the team a different way. Um, but yeah, so like, I'm not too sure if I buy buy that much buy that too much. Maybe what they're actually doing is maybe a lot of their the hurling stuff that they're that they're doing now is a lot more um, contact contact based stuff, and maybe it's a lot more game based game based related. Um, and that's just me thinking thinking outside the box, and maybe thinking thinking that, that that's the way that I've I've been involved in teams down through the years and stuff like that. Maybe that they're going kind of more more for that game based and that hard hard tackling and training type of stuff. You know, a lot of the talk as well the last few days is that the lack of crowds and because there can't be as much hype say is going to benefit Waterford because maybe say say the example of John Milan saying he was going to go down to Keen Waterford bareback on a horse um, <laughs> a couple of years that. ago you know? Jesus, I do anything to see that Jesus <laughs> it's actually I think he's um, starting to I think he's starting now to pull the I think he's starting to pull the plug on that now I don't think he's really really going to do it now when it comes down to it uh, it's a pity because it'd be great to see him even throwing out Santi hat on him now as well it'd be, it'd be a good crack wouldn't it he should definitely be a Santi that'd be unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> but um, like do you think that this say COVID the situation is 
helps the Waterford players in the lack of hype that they won't be going down the street and being no issue with tickets or anything like that? Um, yeah, it's hard. Like it's hard to know. Like, isn't it? Um, I don't know how much. I, I, I think that if you were to ask players, I think like that if I was to ask one of the lads, like, do you want the crowd at the game? Yes or no? I guarantee you, nearly all of them would say yeah because if if you look at you, you know, so like I don't think, I don't think that they they necessarily. And again, I don't know, but I don't think that they necessarily like playing in front of empty stadiums. To be fair. And I think the biggest attraction of being an inter-county hurler is playing in front of the big crowds and 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 showing off your the, the high level of skill or the fitness that you have um, for for the crowds. And at the end of the day, they're inter-county players for because they're at a particular standard and they want to be able to entertain people as well. And um, so I suppose I think that maybe it might it might help. Uh, maybe it might help in the lead up to the game. The fact that. Um, there's nobody hounding players for tickets and there mightn't be enough stuff happening like on the streets or players are probably because of COVID as well. Players are probably um, in that bit more of a shell because they're pr- protecting their own health and protect making, making sure that they're staying in their own little bubble. So they don't pick up COVID obviously before they don't pick up COVID before, before they all are in final. So in that regard, I think it will help. Um, but I don't necessarily think that, having the crowds there or not there would make any difference, to be honest with you. Like, we'll never know whether it would have been, Waterford could have got the same second half performance on uh, at the weekend if there were crowds or not. But can you imagine, like every one of those players would have given anything for there to have been a packed crow park when they were pulling off that performance. Oh no, I without, mean, without, you, you, without you could even, the the... The intensity from Liam Cal and Mikey Bevins on the sideline from for that time. Oh, they just won the free that time, I think, wasn't it? Or yeah, yeah. It was just it was just good good tackles that they were that they were egging on. And you can imagine that the crowd would have been going absolutely wild. Oh no, absolutely. And I think I think if you go back to your earlier point, I think that you said like why are Waterford maybe what's different with Waterford this year? Maybe like is the fact that. Like if you look back at any of Liam Cahill's games that he played for Tipperary himself, I've often looked back on old games and All Ireland Gold and the different videos of different monster finals and stuff down through the year. If you actually look at the way he played, like he was a like he was a tough nut, like he was a very 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 tough player, and he he seems to be kind of a he seems to be a raw enough character, you know. He seems to be like uh, what, what's the word for it? He seems to be like just. He's, he seems like you know one of those old school old school coaches whereby anything goes type of thing. And I think the players then are probably feeding off that um, more more than anything, you know. Um, so no, it's like it's fantastic, really, really is fun. Just it's just fantastic, I think, to be to be in the All Ireland final, um, no matter what no matter what time of the, time of the year it is. But um, no, he seems to be he seems to be have he seems to have him in really really. And good order at the moment. Obviously, there are there are a few different stories with the players in Watford, but obviously you have family playing and in Desi. Like, and I think he's probably one of the most one of the most interesting. Jack Fagan is another one which's pretty interesting story. But like, how, say, how long was Desi not? He's this only his second year back hurling. So Desi went to Brighton. Desi was over and back to a couple of different clubs, and he signed with Brighton after his junior cert. So he signed with Brighton when he was 16. And then he spent, I think it was six years he spent over there. So that brought him to 21. Um, and then whatever happened over Brighton, there was different contacts with different clubs and stuff. So um, he left Brighton and then he came back to League of Ireland. So he would have spent another year in League of Ireland. So then he actually came back into the Ballygunner setup. He was at the Munster Club final. We have a photo at home and me and JJ are there in the photo. And Desi is there in his clothes. So he would have been 22 that December. And then from the All-Ireland semi-final then in 2019, from the All-Ireland semi-final, he talked out for Ballygunner in the All-Ireland semi-final in 2019. So he's hurling since January 2019. Having not hurled for six years. Having not hurled for six years, yeah. yeah. That's the, no, that's the fact on that now. 
yeah, that's the fact on that. Now I'm nearly ninety nine percent sure I, I, I'm 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 on the button with that. Yeah, so he's out of the game. He's out of the game six years. So the last hurling game he would have played. I think he actually played. I think he actually played another sixteen uh, county final with Ballygunner. And I remember before he left, uh, where he left from Brighton, Billy O'Sullivan, um, would have would have bringing Desi up in uh, through the ranks with Ballygunner. And I remember before De- De- Desi went to the UK, Billy brought over a photograph of I think it was an under fourteen county winning team that he played on. So yeah, so he went when he was sixteen. So then he came back into the Ballygunner setup. I think Waterford FC were on a were they on a preseason? I think he was off, and he came into the Ballygunner setup after the Munster Club final, and he started training with us. And uh, just he was as if as if he was never gone. Like you know, I just thinking when I be when I was hurling like, and I'd be up against a wall every day trying to keep me touch right. And if I left the hurl down for a week, it was as if I'd never held it before in my life. Yeah, and yeah. he can not do it for six years, and he comes in and he's unreal. Like, yeah, I know he's 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 going well. He's going very very well. He had a he had a great club campaign last year, and um, when he was in Brighton, like he, he was he brought the hurls with him. Like he would have been poking around with um, he would have been poking around a lot with Malumbi. He's good. He's good mates with Malumbi, and uh, Shane Con uh, Shane Connolly. Obviously, you know Shane Connolly is from Galway. Aaron Connolly. So, oh, oh, sorry, Aaron Connolly. Aaron Connolly. Aaron Connolly's from Galway. And uh, Aaron is from a GA background as well. So they, them lads over there would have been poking around together. But they wouldn't have been playing at the the, the, the intensity that they would have been at over here. So, no, I, I am I am, I am very impressed, impressed myself the way he's after kind of picking it, picking it up so quick. Um, but if you look at the other side of it as well, I suppose he's after been training as a professional athlete for six years. So... There's there's advantages there that he can take from that mm. over into um, an amateur game and like obviously his, his physique and his footwork and his pace and everything else that he he might be ahead of other lads over here who wouldn't have got that developmental work that he would have gotten in the UK by training every day um, on his on his on his pace and on his footwork you know. And is he class at everything he puts his hand to? No, in fairness, even growing up, like you know, he would have been. He would have been decent enough. He would have been decent enough on most sports. Gaelic football. I think he's probably a better Gaelic footballer. Would he? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's a very freeze. like he, he's a decent enough. I don't want to be giving him too much credit here now because <laughs> probably after the All Ireland final, he might listen. He might listen back to it or something. But um, no, he's a great Gaelic footballer. He thinks that he's a. I think he's playing off. I think he's playing off eight in the golf, uh, which is a decent enough standard, but. He probably wants to improve that. He wants to improve that a small bit, I'd say. But uh, decent enough to golf. Um, yeah, so at the hurling. But the hurling is the big one now. He's Hopefully now he, he'll, he'll have a good maybe seven, ten years playing at a high level with Waterford and achieving achieving success. Please God. But to be honest with you, like Desi, Desi's a lot of work to do as well, like, you know. Um, he's not the finished article. By no means is he, is he finished article. And that's what I that's what I was um, that's what I often say to him. The day you think you're the finished article is the day that you're done, you know. Because when you're playing at this level, every player is looking to improve every day. And if you're not looking to improve um, as an intercounty player and even as a club player, you're 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 done, like you know. And it's scary thinking, like, because I do you do notice. A couple of the earlier games more, I think he, you'd notice he threw the ball up in front of a fella and he blocked, you know, whereas he probably had he maybe a bit more time, he'd know exactly when. And it's just scary to think in a couple of years how good he could be. Like really, like a, you know. in a couple of years, say maybe 2022, 2023 20, type of thing, is it? Yeah. like he, Yeah. I actually see Desi, I actually see Desi, uh, particularly a club level maybe, um, Maybe when he gets to about 26, 27, I think that potentially he'll be a better number 11 than, than an inside forward. I think he maybe, when his hurling even develops that bit more, um, I certainly know that if I, if I had a, a player um, like him, I think I'd be, I'd be getting him on as much ball as possible um, because he has the stick work and he has the pace and he's a very, very good... like. If you know it's about him, like maybe he's getting it from the soccer, but his awareness on the ball of other players around him. Yeah, the vision. Um, you know, um, I think that like 
even if you maybe even thinking ahead to next year, if Shane Bennett is back involved, hopefully if you had Shane Bennett and Desi and, and Stephen Bennett inside, and maybe Desi, maybe Ozzy outside on on the forty, actually playmaking and, and delivering the ball to to the lads inside. Like that's just my opinion on it. Now, if I was ever over a Ballygunner team in years to come, I think I think that's where I'd be positioning them anyway because he's kind of like a what's it a, a playmaker or kind of. You know what I mean? He he he, he potentially he could he could dictate the game from there, kind of like a Noel McGrath type of figure where he's spraying the ball from different areas of the pitch, like you know. Because obviously inside, like he could be playing with Bally Gunner, and he could be inside playing with Bally Gunner, and he could get 18, 20 balls, like obviously because it's a lower level, a club level. But then, like if you look at Intercounty, an Intercounty inside forward, like if he gets on five or six balls, he's having he's having an unbelievable game. You know, whereas if he was out in the mid third, he could get on double or treble the amount of ball, you know. And sometimes when I'm looking at him, you can see that he's making various runs and not not the whole time getting the ball, you know, but he has to be very you have to be very, very patient in there. And I think the soccer the soccer experience is definitely helping him in that regard, as in like when he used to play in soccer, he used to play in the holding role position. So he knew when to move for a pass. He knew he knew he, he knew when to spin away. Um, he knew when to go in, take up positions on the pitch. So I think it's very very much the same. He has that spatial awareness, and I think that spatial awareness possibly could serve him better out the pitch rather than inside. There was obviously many great performances from Waterford at the weekend. Sure. Uh, Stephen Bennett was man of the match, 1-4. Um, Ozzy Gleeson turned it on second half, big time. Um, but the one I was, the other one I was mainly thinking of was Jack Fagan, because coming from, it was, I think it was TJ Ryan, uh, or Mark Lander said yesterday that he hadn't seen Kilkenny be dominated in the skies for 20 years. And I was thinking, well, they were dominated in the skies by a man from Mead. Yeah, you know, eleven puckouts he caught. Stouty caught eleven puckouts. I heard ten today, so well done on that one, Jack. You got the extra one from the boys in Wexford. <laughs> I was going, I was going on Sports Jonah. That's that's what I got that info. Yeah, I know. Look, listen. To be to be fair to him, like you know, and I'd be, I would probably be one of Jack's biggest credit credit critics because I can actually see how potentially good he is, um, and I've seen it. I've seen him at times now, at, at only at times, playing well in patches for De La Salle. You know, because I, I, look, I, I, I look at a lot of club games. I've come up against him in club matches. And he, he, he comes and goes for De La Salle. Um, so he does. But by God, like, he absolutely, he absolutely stood up the weekend. Like, there's, no, there's no question about it. And his ability to get under that high ball. Like, I haven't seen anyone catch a high ball like that for Waterford probably since Dan, you know? And Dan was probably always under the ball. You know, he never actually, he probably never had that kind of, um, that bounding or that power to actually get up over lads. But you see Jack the weekend, he was actually like, you see some of the photos back, like he was like two or three feet off the ground for some catches, like going back, going back onto his own half back line, grabbing balls. Absolutely phenomenal performance. Um, really, really was like it was immense. Really, it was powerful, 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 powerful. Um, and I can only compliment him. You know, have you noticed him like when he first came down to Waterford? How much of an improvement has he made from like you know playing? We'll say proper. No disrespect to the Mead Club Championship, you know, but a more competitive club championship. How much improvement have that, you noticed? That's him? a lot of disrespect to the Mead Club Championship, Ben. Saying that's not proper. A higher level of club championship. Um, if you were to look at the De La Salle games during the, through the years, like like year on year, I don't think that I've seen improvement that much. Like, um, but when I'm looking at him this year with Waterford, he definitely is improving every game. No, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Like, and the first game against Cork, he he done well. The, the, the Limerick game. He done probably that bit better, and then obviously then against Kilkenny he was he was super, you know what I mean. So maybe like there's a lot more pressure on him as well with De La Salle because they expect a lot more of him, 
where maybe when he's with Waterford, he can just kind of throw off the shackles. And just obviously then there'll be possibly better players around him then as well, like, you know. Um, but no, I just hope he hope he keeps going. And um, he's a really, really, I, I've heard I've heard good things about him as well as a fella. And by the way, it takes a lot of balls as well to come down from Mead um, and put yourself out there and um, really test yourself. Um, because obviously, like, let's, let's call a spade a spade here as well. He's obviously getting tested um, a lot more at inter-county level with Waterford than he would maybe if he, if he was with Mead. And that's no disrespect to Mead, Mead hurling or anything. That's just the, the fact of the matter. That's the way I should have put it when talking yeah. about the Mead Club Championship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was in, like, in the first half, especially probably in the first quarter, Kenny got some a lot of good fielded ball. Like TJ had two amazing catches. I can't remember someone else had a, a good catch too. There were two slow motions, slow mos of the catches, and two of them were over Kevin Morn. And it just looked like Kilkenny did look good in the first half. I know Waterford still had the chances, but what were they? Eight, nine points up at half time, or seven points up half time, was it? Yeah, I like I was to be honest, I was I was sitting at home. I was sitting home here in the house and I was saying, Jesus, I couldn't believe what was happening. I just couldn't believe it. I I I turned around to to herself and I said, We're we're done here, lad. I just can't I just couldn't see any I just couldn't see do you know the way Kilkenny is ruthless as they are? Like when they smell blood, like they'll just go they'll yeah. go for the throat. And I just couldn't see on the way that we were performing, it was nothing really got to do. I didn't I didn't question the lad's character or courage or anything like that. It was just merely the fact that Kilkenny were in such a good position. I just couldn't see him losing it because they're Kilkenny. How often do you see Kilkenny uh, drop a seven, a seven or eight point lead? Not often. Have Not they often. even ever? Have they ever? <laughs> yeah, they did something similar to against Dublin. Against Dublin. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Again, you, you go back to, you go back to the, the fitness and conditioning um, where, where Waterford just... Just that, just that bit, bit, bit fitter, you know. Um, I don't know. And again, the big worry for me going into the game was the three weeks in the trot. But as that game was going on, as that game was going on, it looked like Waterford were getting stronger and stronger. Not no weaker. They were, yeah. You know, like like if if that game had gone on for another five ten minutes, it would do like Waterford looked like they were getting stronger like you know so that that was the most impressive part for me it looked like one point just in around the water break in the second half that it was going to be over and you know around 60 minutes that Warford are really going to run away with it yeah exactly so I think that's an area possibly that Kilkenny will definitely be questioning um, is there is there conditioning because Warford blew him away Warford absolutely blew him away and when when Warford's tails were up Kilkenny, they didn't have any answers. Obviously then, Limerick are coming for Waterford in the final. And they're coming a, a rematch from the Munster final where Limerick, I'd say, not won convincingly, but they won comfortable enough. And I thought they had an extra gear. And I still thought Waterford played very well and brought the intensity. Like, what, what do they do differently? against Limerick this time around to change that result to change that I I genuinely obviously I'm not in, inside in the camp or anything but I genuinely genuinely think that that game was there for Waterford that game that game was there for Waterford in the Munster final but that I don't know that maybe the possibly the belief that they can go out and beat him wasn't there but I can guarantee it well obviously I can't guarantee it but Waterford Waterford are coming into this game, this all earned final, with a lot, with a lot more momentum than Limerick. Like Waterford would have, after learning more about themselves from the Munster final than Limerick have learned about themselves in the last two games. Limerick probably they've stuttered in the last two games, really. They haven't like they're not firing like they're not firing on all cylinders whatsoever. Definitely, definitely not. Like they're not, they're like they're not this. Like they're not moving as well as they were the year they won the All Ireland. Definitely not. I don't think so. Anyway, that's just that's just a personal opinion of mine. Or even um, last year, up until the semi final last year, they were 
moving extremely well. I suppose the, yeah. the, the, the Kenny might... caught him on the hop that day. Yeah, absolutely. I still think Limerick were the best team in Ireland last year. I, I, even, I, though I, Tipperary, even though Tipperary won the All-Ireland, I, I still think, I still like if you were to play, if, like if Limerick were to play Tipperary in last year's All-Ireland final, like I would, I would back Limerick all day long. I just think this. I think that Kilkenny seriously caught Limerick on the hop that day. Big time. Yeah, I think so. What do Waterford do differently? Is it just that belief? Because I'm sure after that performance against Kilkenny, there's not too many players lacking confidence in what they can do. No, I think, I think, I think it does come down to belief. I genuinely like... I, I don't necessarily think it comes down to... I don't think it comes down to like what they can do, what they can do um, tactically. Waterford, what's really, really impressed me about Waterford this way is that they can play anyway. They can play through the lines. They can play short, okay? They can play long, okay? They can play the quick ball into, the, into, into Desi and Ozzy quickly inside. They are obviously very, very strong. They're physically fit. They can mix it. So, like, they know from the Munster final that they were in that game with 15 minutes to go. So I actually do think it comes down to belief knowing themselves that they can, they can match them up to a certain level. And then it's the belief that they can take from the last two games of how strong they finished in their previous games. Limerick are probably lacking. The only thing they're lacking, I reckon, is probably a killer instinct. Because I think against Galway and probably against Waterford last, I think they were the better team but couldn't break away no, that, that like if you look at if you look at that if you look back to the Galway and 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 Limerick game, that game was level on seventy three minutes, and that game that game was there for Galway. Yeah, big you, time. We say that now they did it was level. Limerick just when was needed they kind of have the extra bit to do it. But yeah, no, that and that comes down to that like that that comes down to. Now, I know uh, Galway won the All-Ireland uh, not so many years ago. Um, and they're a well-experienced well side, but maybe it was just the, that Limerick team, that the actual team is probably just together that bit longer. And maybe that's what got them over the line, got them over the line in the end. Um, yeah, like, obviously, they just probably... Joe was a massive loss going off, wasn't he? To be fair. I actually didn't think... Off. He was as big a loss because Evan Nyland came on for him and he scored the free he got, scored another one from midfield. I would have thought Bacal Mannion was more of a bigger loss. Yeah. Because he came off earlier, early in the first half as well. Yeah. I know to be fair, like uh, Mannion and, and, and Joe in general were probably two, two massive losses. So I put it this way. Do you think if they stayed on the pitch that they would have won the game? Um, I, don't, I actually don't think the, Joe, the Canning one affected it but Man- Mannion staying on I reckon they, they could have like okay. I don't think they would have now but <laughs> okay but no that's interesting yeah okay and I, I when I think back to it yeah he was he probably was a, a, a big big loss for him like again he he's a phenomenal hurler isn't he and he, um, he gets the ball he gets the ball rolling for that for that Galway team and he's obviously a very very talented talented individual and he's playing particularly well this year Um. Then again, Limerick. If you go back to Limerick, like, like Graham Mulcahy getting getting called off, like it's not it's not often you see Mulcahy coming off. Like you know, he's he's usually chips in with chips in with two three points a game. Like you know what I mean? He, he didn't see much action, you know. Um, you know, so I, I think I think it's there for Waterford. I really really do. It's nice when Graham Mulcahy is not playing well to be able to just bring a player like Pierre Casey on for him. Yeah, I know Casey. Casey's a serious player as well. I've come up against him in in Munster club action with um, with uh, Napiršić. Very very good player. Very dangerous. Um, very quick quick feet, quick wrists, and can take a score. He has everything. What a what a sub to be able to bring in. Um, so John Coyley is a big decision to make. I suppose going into that final, whether whether he gives um, Mulcahy the benefit of the doubt and gives him another go, and then possibly bringing on Peter Casey. With maybe when that game is in the melting pot, and uh, for an extra for an extra um, bit of legs when 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 the game when the game is possibly there to be won because I I I can't see like I can't see it going any other way only down to the wire I really really can't 
and um, I think it's I think it's going to be a phenomenal final. I really do. It's so so intriguing. And again, if you look at the way if you look at the way Waterford play and the way Limerick play, they quite they they play quite similar. As in, like they they probably try and isolate um, Aaron Galan inside, and Waterford will probably isolate maybe Desi or Ozzy inside. You know, so um, they play the same way. And then what you have then in around the the the, the, the mid third is absolute a war of attrition, really. And doggy dog, and whoever wins that battle, um, around that mid third, I think they're they're going to have a big say. It's it's going to have a big say in the in the overall um result. It was fairly obvious that well, it was mostly obvious at halftime when it was pointed out by the guys on RTE, but that Parig Mannion as a sweeper was covering any balls going into Galan, and basically as a sweeper trying to nullify. Gillan and uh, oh, what's his name? We we're just talking about him. The other corner forward, Graham Mulcahy, uh, and it kind of worked. But then you have the half forward line chipping in with, I think, eleven points from play. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, it's it's. I think it's their it's, it's Limerick's ability as well of that of their half forward line to be able to come down the fields and then get back up again. You know, like, oh no, like the, the, the amount of ball that um, that uh, Garod Hegarty in particular picks up from going back, going back to his own, to his own uh, half is phenomenal, and his ability then to carry the ball and get into scoring positions is um, is, is phenomenal. And I think Waterford are going to be they have a decision to make in that All Ireland final in regards to with with Caleb, with with Callum Lyons or or Tyg. Do they push up on them? Do they go? Do they go man to man and push up the pitch on them and nullify that so they actually can't get their hands on the ball? And um, but then again, Limerick have the potential then maybe to to pick out those pick out those passes to um Galan, Galan and the other lads inside. So again, Limerick, Limerick can mix it up in so many ways as well. Um, and obviously like stopping that supply ball to Aaron Galan is going to be very, very important. But at the other end, the boys, the Limerick half forward line can take their scores from out the pitch, you know, wherever they so want. Then, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So then you're looking at like the Waterford half forwards, like we spoke about Jack Fagan um, the last day and maybe Kieran Bennett, like it's going to be their ability to do the exact same job as the Limerick half forward line, just coming back to pitch and being able to pick up ball and 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 move move forward with it, and then create the other chances on the opposite side for Waterford. So, like they actually play quite similar the two teams, don't they? Yeah, everyone is everyone's afraid of Galan, I think, and they nearly all drop someone in front of him to try stop and get the ball. Yeah, I actually know. think you should be nearly more afraid. Like if you do that. The half hour line just score like you're, they're talking. They score over ten points a game between the three yeah. of them. I think you have to guard against that nearly more and see. Hopefully, your full back can deal with Kalan. Yeah, no, absolutely. But then again, yeah, I like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because at the end of the day, like it's about protecting it's pr- pr- protecting that the D area on the hurling pitch, I suppose, or the the, the real dangerous zone like for me the dangerous zone in hurling is in around that D in around that goal mount so like I think if Waterford if Waterford stop Limerick getting goals in that All-Ireland final and um, they'll go a long long way to winning the game so I think I'd prefer stopping the goal threat than stopping the long range the long range points um, and I think I just think personally that you can't leave a player like Galan inside with 40, 50 yards of space in front of him. I think he's too I think he's too too much of a good player not to cause damage for you. You know, but then again, there's a big there's a big doubt about him too, isn't there? Going into the final. Big doubt. Is he going to be fit or is he not going to be fit? Um I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there. Like obviously we want to see we obviously want to see all the best hurlers playing. But um I don't know what I want them playing. I want to try and beat him with their best team. Uh, Interesting you know, said that that um, stopping Limerick getting goals would be go a long way for Waterford, but I think it's also important for them for Waterford to get some goals 
if like the monster final as the example where what was it was 25 to 21 i think there was yeah. no goals so they stopped him no getting goals. the goals but then if you're stopping Limerick getting goals you're going to imagine that they are going to rack up a lot of points so yeah just like Waterford though the, the, the reason why the reason why there's probably there's probably uh, very little goals is because that's like I said that say Waterford's 45 to the Limerick 45 is so packed with players that the players inside um, can't get can't get the quality ball like if you look back to that Limerick Waterford game like I think I think Desi got one ball you know what did what the Galan what the Galan or the boys inside get in that Munster final? Very little too, I think. I, I, I again, it's go, I think it's going to be like the Munster final. I don't think we're going to see that many goals. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I do see goals, but um, I can't. I can't see it. I can't see it happening because both defenses um, are like both both defenses are going to be are going to be star like both forward lines. Sorry, are going to be starved of possession. I did think in the four games, four games that Limerick have played so far, they've only scored a goal in one of them. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing stat. That that's a really really interesting stat. Now that you say that, um, yeah, because I know I know the guy that does the video analysis for Limerick, uh, Sean O'Donnell, is a really really good guy, um, and I think that Limerick Limerick set up inside to try and create those goal chances. Um, and I think that's I think that'd be a concern for John Coyley. I really, really do. Um, that they're not getting those goals. I'd say it's people because people are people know that and they're afraid of it, so they're guarding against it. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you, they're guarding against it, but they're still winning games. So that's a that's that's a compliment for them guys as well. That the fact they're able to win these games without actually getting goals. You said it already. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, they were helped a bit. They were helped a bit uh, at the weekend because um, I've seen a stat there as well. I'm not the stats man now, but I just have these um, five points Limerick scored directly from Galway puckouts. And another one, yeah. if I remember, he pucked it over the sideline. Yeah. You know. But in fairness, like I, if I can remember back to uh, the Galway goalie pucking out those balls, not all of them were potentially his fault. Like, were they? Yeah. As in, like, not all, but not all. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm sure, like, Galway going into that game, or like, if you look at, if you look at the 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 the, um, the Limerick half backline, who do you have? You have obviously Declan Hannan centre back. You've Kyle Hayes and you've um, Dermot Burns. Dermot Burns on the other side. Like, if you were a coach or if you were a manager, the last thing you'd be saying is, "Right, last puck ball down on top of these fellas," because they're all over six foot tall. They're all strong men. They're going to dominate. They're going to dominate that area. Um. So obviously Galway had to come up with a strategy to try and stop that. Obviously, maybe the strategy that didn't work out that well on the short puckouts definitely didn't. If the, if if that's the stat on it. Um, but obviously he's a young he's a young goalkeeper I wouldn't push all the blame on him either because I was looking at some of them puck outs as well and some of them puck outs uh, they, they, like they, they probably were they probably were like they did get scores from the puck outs but they weren't the primary source of the problem for example if you pucked out the ball um, how many of them were won directly from the short puck out do you get me? Was it was it a breaking ball off a off a um, off a, off a Galway player? Was it a miscontrol touch? Was it a dropped a dropped uh, catch? I'm not too sure. Um, I haven't looked back at that much detail of it. Um, but yeah, he's like young goalkeeper. Um, first appearance in Crow Park was it? When I played uh, against Wexford. Oh, sorry, we, he played against we Wexford. Yeah. Tried tried to um, block played that one Wexford. out. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, so I look. I'm sure. I'm sure he learned from it, and I'm sure that he'll be a better goalie in the long term for it too. When you talk about the Limerick half back line putting it on him, there was actually a moment. If you remember in the first, the first quarter, we'll say Galway their puck out was working great and they were doing really well. And then the change, Limerick seemed to have the the war break sorted with the tactics. Yeah, and he was forced then to hit it long in the in the second quarter. 
and he hit I think three, maybe two, three puckouts down to Dermot Burns' side. Yeah. And Dermot Burns got two points. Yeah. See, that's, thinking, see that's interesting. No more. So obviously, obviously Limerick probably just pushed up on the puckouts, squeezed them on the puckouts. And then obviously then when you when you when did the say the the, the Galway half back line then were squeezed on the puckouts, what probably happened was then they, he was probably put under a bit more pressure and his ability to be able to pick out passes or the Galway players' ability to win the ball because they were being squeezed up and put under pressure. So that that has a lot got to do with it as, as well. Absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. So who does uh, who does Jack Fagan take up for these puckouts? Does he go for Kyle Hayes or Dermot Burns? Oh God, it's hard. Like, oh, um, Jesus, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, they're, I'm looking forward both, to seeing it. Yeah, they're both obviously they're both equally as equally as good. Um, a hard one probably if I was a betting man I'd probably say maybe um, Kyle Hayes thinking that he's maybe not as used to playing wing back exactly exactly yeah but still again it goes back to that thing like Limerick are so strong in so many different areas that you're damned if you do damned if you don't like you know that is true so you're tipping Waterford for the the victory anyway I'm going to go with Waterford Um. I'm gonna, and I really, really believe that this is the this is the team to do it. Um, and even if it doesn't happen, I think, like if I was if I was a an executive on the Waterford County Board after that victory last week, I'd be I'd be ringing Liam Cal on the Monday morning and be saying throwing a contract for another three to four years on his on his term because I think I think the way that he has these guys playing, I think the way he's after developing them. I think that potentially he could build he could build something fantastic in this county. Um, I really, really do. Um, just going off, again, I don't know the chap. I don't know what his trainings are like. I know I've heard Mikey Beavens is quite good. Um, but it's obvious, it's obvious that he's after doing some phenomenal work there. Really, really good, fantastic work. So, um, Because we know what's going to happen in Tipperary, don't we? Um, Lee, I think Liam Sheedy has another year. And, and then look for Liam, and then it look, it's so obvious, isn't it? That's the, what that's what's going to happen, and obviously then Liam is Liam is a Tipperary man himself, so I'm sure that Liam is after dreaming of getting that job too. But I'd say like if you were if you were to look at the Waterford team versus the Limerick team, at and sorry the Tipperary team at the moment, you'd say to your I I think you'd say to yourself, God, there's a lot more possible potential in this Warford group the thing is he did manage to tip under 20 21 team so he knows those guys and obviously has I'd imagine has a lot of faith in them no there's no there's, look listen there's no question what, no question whatsoever about that um, he obviously does know him very very well um, and there's no I've no doubt that if he was to go to Tipperary that he would do um, a fantastic job just like he's done with Warford but as a Waterford person, I really, really hope that um, that he stays. I think he will stay for the second term. Um, I definitely do. Um, I think it all depends on what happens in Tipperary as well. Um, I'm just hoping that... I'd love to see him work for a solid two, three years with this team and see what can be achieved. Um, again, I don't, know the, I don't know the chap personally, but I'm hearing good things about him. And um, from looking at this Waterford team at the moment, I think it, uh, he just has his playing as a style of hurling that is really attractive and um, with courage and honesty and work ethic that um, hasn't obviously been seen in Waterford for um, a number of years, really. So, yeah, I'm going to tip Waterford. And I'm going to tip him. I'm going to go for four points. Go for four points, Waterford victory. Desi Hutchinson, man of the match. I'm not going to put that pressure on. Just as long, <laughs> as long as as long as Waterford, as long as Waterford win this all around, I don't, I don't care what Desi does. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't. He plays part, and look, if he if he plays for 50 minutes and 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 bursts his gut out there, I don't care. As long as Waterford are, are coming over the the, the bridge uh, on, on on Sunday week, 
with the Lee McCarthy Cup. Jesus, my God, it'd be unbelievable. Um, absolutely unbelievable if they could pull it off. And like, I think the most, like nobody gave this team a chance. Like, because of the previous two years, um, nobody nobody gave this team a chance. And I think that's the most amazing thing about it. Like if you, if you had asking me or any other Waterford person that at the start of the year, will we be in the Ireland final? I would have said no way. And the fact that we're here now, like, and I know I'm, I'm talking about giving Liam two or three years, like, the fact that we're there now, this is our chance. Like, there's no, there's no going at it again next year or the year after. This is a serious, serious chance for this Waterford team to, to make history. I really, really believe that. I think they want to do it. Kind of similar to the feeling that Wexford had last year in the All Ireland semi final, just feeling when it was over that that was that was the chance. And it's it's there's so much yeah. so much quality teams at the moment that it that it's so hard to get back there. Like yeah, so, it's so hard for a Wexford or yeah. a Waterford to get back there. Yeah, exactly. And even in Dalo's time with with Dublin, remember the time Dublin uh, played in the All Ireland semi final? Yeah, it was it Paul Ryan red card that day? Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Paul, or was it Ryan O'Dwyer? Ryan O'Dwyer, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Peter Kelly got man in a match the same day. Peter Kelly was unbelievable at full back for Dublin. But like, walking out of their Crow Park that day, you said, geez, that was Dublin's big chance. And they haven't got back to the same height since, have they? No, they haven't even got close, really. No, they haven't got close. But the, we're going back to the same point. Like, Wexford against Tipperary last year, that was a great chance for them. Dublin, when they, like... These chances don't come around that often. They really, really don't. Um, and like I said to you, they, 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 they have an unbelievable, they have an unbelievable chance to do to do, to do this like. Um, because I think I think Waterford, they're like they're coming stronger than Limerick are, aren't they? Oh, definitely, definitely. They're definitely on a on the wave. Like you know, momentum is with them, whereas Limerick are kind of stumbling in their performance. Yeah, and when, like, you, you probably know guys from even playing club hurling and stuff down through the years and playing in games or playing in championship hurling. When a team gets that momentum, it's very, very hard to stop, isn't it? Absolutely, very, very yeah, hard to stop. Even momentum in the in the one half of a game is huge, which Waterford showed. Oh, big time. It, it, once, once you start picking it up, it's 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 so hard to stop it. You're you're trying to slow down the game. You're trying to do oh, everything. Sure. Look, I remember but, I remember there in 2013 playing the county final uh, against Passage. They beat us the same day. I think with four minutes to go, four minutes to go in that game, we were beaten in that county final. We were sailing, we were sailing. The game, practically the game was sewn up right, and Passage got a goal I think to bring it back to four points, and you could just feel Welsh Park lifting. Right, and next minute I think they tagged on a point, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we were after dominating the game for fifty-five minutes. Out of nowhere, they just got this momentum, and it just brought them through. You know what I mean? One or two quick scores, and all of a sudden the game has turned, and your backs are to the wall, and that momentum just gets them over the line. And I, I think that with with this with this Waterford team at the moment, they're getting better and better and better, and. Hopefully they are going to hit their peak and get that performance for seventy for seventy minutes in the All Ireland final, and I believe it's going to happen. What do you think, Ben? Oh, I couldn't argue with it. Couldn't argue with our guest. So you're tipping Waterford, eh? No, no, I'll I'll reserve my tip. There's no reserving now. <laughs> what are you reserving, Tim? <laughs> Just go call it, call it out. Will no, it I think, man? I think, uh, I think Limerick will win by a couple of points. Okay, that's fair. I think, I think Waterford are going to need goals, and I, I do think that they've gone for goals a lot more in the last two games. Just they seem to have this amazing ability to go direct towards the goal, like Stephen Bennett as the main example, and then to feign a shot so that the player chasing goes into Hookham and then just keeps soloing it and they've just made that little bit of space for themselves. But they don't, like, Jesus, Stephen Bennett, just, he just kept going at stages and when the, the point was on, he kept going just to see what was going to open up and then he'd still take the point in the end off the hurl, off the left-hand side yeah. at one stage. Do, but they're just so direct. Do you know so what I'd love to see? Do you know what I'd love to see in this All-Ireland final? And 
I know myself, I know myself from playing playing wing back down through the years with Bally Gunner and stuff. And like if you look at that half back line from Limerick, uh Kyle Hayes, uh Dermot and Declan Hannon, they're great men to attack the ball, right? Great savage, unbelievable, best in the game. But how often have we actually seen that Limerick half back line being turned and run at? Have we seen it at all? Not really, they, they, they have Not so really many lads much. back there kind of guarding against it. Yeah, they're guarding against it. But like, if we if we get a run at these lads, I'd love to see how they stand up, how they stand up to the challenge. And I think that Waterford in particular this year, they, they are like they're they're creating goal chances and they're running at lads. Kieran Bennett is well able to run. Uh, Montgomery is maybe well able to run at lads. I've seen Jack Prendergast here in Waterford uh, uh, in Club Hurling. He'd run all day. Jack would run at lads. Stevie would run at lads. Waterford have the forward line to go down the throat of this Limerick defence. They have it. They have, pace. they have pace in buckets. Jamie Barron running from the, from the middle. Caleb running from, from wing back. You know what I mean? Like if you look at that Kilkenny game against uh, the the Warford game against Kilkenny, we had a stages like we had two, three lads running off the shoulders, like. And I'd love to see them test Limerick in in, in that way. Go well, down the pros. You're, you're definitely gonna try, like there's some serious running. Like Caleb, just when you say Caleb lines there, just the speed of him. And he, he always takes a few extra steps, but sure he gets away with it sometimes. Yeah, he's so powerful. He's so powerful and pacey over the first five or five, four or five steps, isn't he? Um, really isn't Jamie then. Jamie's like a lad now that has has three lungs, isn't he? He just ridiculous. It's like he, he looks like he he's actually drop. No, he doesn't drop in, he doesn't drop uh he just intensity never at all. stops going and going and the intensity is always there. Yeah. I, look, he's a phenomenal. I remember Jamie when he first came on the scene and he, he was being played, I think. They tried him cornerback and they tried him corner forward and they've seen him hurling with his club. Now, there's a player that is after just working on his games so much. I remember playing, like, obviously, like, he would have been young when I was playing with Ballygunner and stuff when I was coming up against him with Formal Water. But there's a player now that if you were to, or to show any young player coming up like and how to improve your game he's the he's the perfect example he's he's a credit really to himself the way he's after developing as an athlete and as a hurler he's absolutely phenomenal really really good player but I think we've I think we've really really good players all over the all over the pitch like Austin now Austin seems to be coming good now at the right time you know and there was a lot of question marks there was a lot of question marks over Austin coming into this game and like in that second half, he answered all these all these critics. Yeah. Really, really did, didn't he? I think someone added, could have been Neem Cal who said it, but that was like just the Austin Gleason game. In that the first half, he wasn't really at, he was getting on the ball, but he was hitting wides that you know that, that creeps into Aussie's game sometimes, where you know he should be putting those over and a little bit wasteful. But in the second half, it's it's just the complete performance, nearly. Yeah, but isn't that what they say? Isn't that what they say about great players as well? Like, is when your your backs are to the wall, and when you're really when it's really time to stand up, that's when they do stand up. You know. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember playing with Paul Flynn with Ballygunner down through the years, and Flynn at times like he'd absolutely break her heart. Like you know, you could you could you, he could there could be like ten there could be five balls going into him, and he might be behind his man for the five balls, and next minute three balls go into him. He's after banging one two. You know, and it's that ability to be able to just turn it on like a light switch, um, when nobody's really expecting it, and that's exactly what Austin done to do. And the chips were down, the chips were down. We were down by eight points at halftime or whatever it was, and when Waterford needed to stand up, he like he stood up and he showed he showed people the player that he, he was because we're kind of waiting for this out of from Austin since he hit the heights that he did hit a number of years ago. And no better, no better stage to do it, I suppose, than not learn the semi final. There's one better stage yeah. to do it. Oh no, and absolutely. I think, I think if if Offer are going to win, they're going to need a huge performance from Austin. Look, let I think that if Waterford are going to win this game, they need a huge performances from everyone all over the pitch. True, true. I don't think, I don't think it's going to. Um, 
we knew like we need we need 15 lads at the top of our game to beat to beat Limerick and I think just that confidence is building and building and building and I think there's an inner belief now that they can that they can do it um, so here's hoping thanks very much for coming on Wayne no bother at all thanks for having me it was, it was a really bit of good. crack enjoyable as well exactly yes yeah thanks very much Wayne Thanks, everyone, for listening to another podcast. In other news, our previous podcast guest, Colin Bonner, has left his job as Carlo manager. And I've been told that Shane Tompkins couldn't make it as he's actually interviewing for the position of Carlo manager. So best luck to him with that. And we'll be back soon with another podcast. In the meantime, if you haven't already, if you could subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. Thanks for listening. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford!